Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Especially working with young dogs, you want this you want this backing dummy as any backing dummy to surprise the dog whenever they see it. Um, so whether you put it behind a object, behind cover, have the dog come around the cover and see it and, and then you know get that reaction of whoa. Why do we spend all year training dogs? So that we have the best possible hunting partner. At the end of the day, having a well-trained hunting partner doesn't help if you can't figure out where to actually go hunt. Scout and Hunt Maps is the only mapping software on the market focused on upland habitat and shows exactly where and when a timber cut was completed along with specifying what's upland or lowland habitat. In some states, you can even know exactly what type of timber is in an area without stepping foot on the ground. Scout and Hunt Maps was developed by an actual upland hunter and guide that knows the importance of having quality hunting covers pinned on the map before you even hit the road. Scout and Hunt even works for you in the field without phone service, without having to remember to save the area before you even go in. Once you get set up on Scout and Hunt, then you'll be able to spend more time actually hunting rather than trying to figure out where to go hunt. When checking out, be sure to use GDIY10 to save 10% and sign up for Patreon if you want to save even more. Spend less time asking other people where to go hunt and get Scout and Hunt today. Scout today, hunt tomorrow. We get asked all the time what the most important thing to consider is when training and living with a hunting dog and they're often surprised when they hear us answer with proper nutrition. It's pretty obvious when you think about it though. It doesn't matter how well the dog is trained if it doesn't have the right fuel. The saying garbage in, garbage out rings true in dog nutrition. Yukonuba's premium performance lineup goes beyond just protein and fat with a number of different formulas designed to fuel your dog's specific activity level while supporting their recovery and optimizing their nutrient delivery. The proof is in the pudding, or lack thereof, when you make the switch at Yukonuba. You will see immediate results in your dog's energy level and drive. They have a formula for every type of dog, from your hardest working dog in the field to your laziest retired dog on the couch. Head on over to YukonubaSportingDog.com to find the right formula for your hunting partner. Make the switch today and let Yukonuba fuel your dog so you can focus on what you and your dog loves to do, work. Why does it usually form or function when it comes to shotguns? You either hear about the looks or craftsmanship of this shotgun, while that shotgun over there in the corner hasn't been cleaned in two seasons, but supposedly fits and shoots like a dream. Why can't it be both? This is what Upland Gun Company does. They take your own personal measurements and will construct the very shotgun that should handle like a dream while getting you the looks and custom features that only you can decide on. Whether it's a side-by-side -side or over-under, English stock or full pistol grip, custom engravings such as your dog's portrait, even down to selecting the wood on your stock. Head on over to UplandGunCompany.com and build the dream gun that you would carry in the field with your dog for many seasons. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
All right, welcome back to another episode of GDIY. This week we have Joe Finney of River Rome Kennels on the line. Joe, how you doing tonight, man? Good, man. I hope yeah. everything's going good your way. Oh, yeah, as always. Go ahead and start it off with the obvious. Tell everybody where you're calling from and uh, the game that you're in. You know, what kind of dogs you run and train and all that fun stuff. Perfect. Um, we're from... Our kennel is based out of Salisbury, North Carolina, which is just about 30 minutes north of Charlotte. Um, but we do every, our primary focus is retrievers and pointers and pointing breeds. Um, but we do some obedience from time to time as well. But our main game is, is the sporting dog game. Gotcha. So uh, a lot of trainers that I know of, they, they kind of pick one or the other. They kind of specialize in your pointers and upland dogs. And then, you know, you got your retriever guys over here. Sounds like you, you like to mix and match. Is that just preference or just kind of the, the dogs that need to be trained in the area and you're going to go for it? Well, I kind of fell into it because it was originally when I first started training dogs, right at 20 years ago um my game at that point was retrievers and that's what i owned that's what i had that's what i enjoyed um trained retrievers for mm, roughly 14 15 years and then started getting more involved in peaking interest into the pointing breed side okay and then once and then once i got into the pointing breed side side of things now that's what i own personally that's pretty much all i have i do have a 14 year old female chocolate lab but she's she's old and retired so i gotcha yeah. so yeah. you got you got interested in the pointing dog world and you made an entire switch from the retriever world and went into the pointers what type of pointers are you running i run short hairs okay everything i have is short hairs so yeah. so you really when you when you got another interest outside of the retriever world you you didn't hesitate you just jumped in and and full-fledged change what what was so appealing to the pointing dog world as opposed to the retriever world that you're accustomed to well i mean originally when i was looking at it it was it was more so i was wanting to play a game because with the retriever world especially in north carolina we all know how horrible duck hunting is in north carolina right so <laughs> so to have a dog and and use that dog in North Carolina, especially if you got a dog with a lot of drive, a lot of gear, um, and a lot of a lot of go to it, man, it's so hard to go sit and sit in a wood duck hole and shoot two ducks. Yeah. Um, and so I was in Ohio deer hunting, and a guy came out and he had a short hair puppy that was like six weeks old, and he said, "You want to see something cool? Come check this out." And I was like, well, "I'm a dog guy, so yeah, I want to check this out." And um, and he had this six week old puppy and had had the old school wing on a string. And this dog flew around the corner and just slammed on brakes. And I was like, man, I need that. I, need <laughs> I want that. one. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. So it was, and that was a short hair as well. And, and that's what piqued my interest about a short hair. And it was several years after that before I finally pulled the pin and got one myself. Um, but, but the main reason why I went with the, with the pointing breeds is because I can make my own hunt. I don't necessarily have to have ducks. I can go to a preserve. I can go to, you know, a quail farm, go buy some quail and go have a fun hunt myself and not have to be weather dependent or the ducks getting here on migration or anything like that. Yeah. So, so what so was yeah, it? That's kind of what steered me in that direction. Yeah, it makes sense. So what was it like when you had to switch from retrievers to pointing dogs? You know, what was the biggest difference and was there really a lot of similarities uh, in your opinion? Um. There was definitely some similarities, um, and one thing one thing I did want to do, and the reason why I went with the short hair is because it was versatile breed, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I still wanted to play the waterfowl game with the dogs if if capable, but but yet I still wanted to have the the upland side of it as well. But it's a training man. The big, the hardest, well, biggest and hardest thing for me was adjusting to the pressure with each dog um because retrievers you can put a lot more pressure on them um whether it be whether it be verbal e-collar whatever it may be you can put a lot more pressure on a on a retriever um but learning that was probably the toughest thing for me to transition over from so what was your thought process on that like did you just when you jumped into the short hair world was it just your specific dog or are you talking about when you got got the opportunity to put hands on multiple dogs you just kind of notice that the 
the pressure level wasn't the same or you couldn't really teach the same way it, that you did the retrievers? Was it just kind of your one dog or was it, did you just realize that over a number of, of dogs when you kind of got into training upland dogs? Yeah, definitely. My personal dog was the first upland dog that I trained personally. Um, and then, then I started training some dogs for a lady out of South Carolina that also has a kennel. And when I started training them for four vets, that's what really got me on the page of, hey, man, you, you've really got to where, I mean, you got to really be light with these dogs. Um, so, yeah, that was that was pretty much it. Interesting. So give us a couple examples of what you talk about as the pressure being different. You know, the first thing that comes to mind naturally is, is force fetch, but there's a lot of other sure. things that, you know, you have to kind of finesse and learn how to deal with on lower pressure. What was that like uh, changing your, your individual methods as it, as it pertains to the pressure level? Did that make any sense? Gotcha. It did. Um, as far as the force fetch, didn't really change methods, so to speak. I mean, I'm a toe hitch guy um, for the most part. I mean, I do ear pinch if, if if the case calls for it, but more than anything else, I, I'm a toe hitch guy. Um, so I do that with retrievers, pointers, setters, whatever. Um, just the biggest thing was the amount of pressure. How much, how much do you pry at that dog to get it out of them? Um, and with a retriever, of course, they could take more, right? And a pointer... You just got to, sometimes you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other thing that really, that really opened my eyes was I was, I was at a training day in South Carolina when I first started getting into training pointers and, and transitioning over and that kind of thing. And, and my female, she was on point and, um, and she was flagging really bad. And I, I couldn't understand why she was doing it. And the lady that was there, she's wonderful, um, wonderful. Tra- well, she's also a, a trainer, but um, she was telling me, she said, Joe, you're putting too much pressure on your dog. I said, I haven't done anything. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what did I do? Um, yeah, it didn't make sense to me at all. And, and, and then she just started really breaking it down. And I'm like, hmm. I didn't, I didn't understand that I was doing, and it, it could be anything from me standing too close to the dog. I was just no, about no. to ask yeah. if it was more spatial awareness. You know, a lot of sure. people don't really consider 100%. that as pressure, but it is pressure to the dogs, uh, especially Correct. the people that talk about, you know, purely positive uh, uh, stuff. We've spoken about that on the podcast before. They don't realize that just your body language and taking the space away from the dog is adding pressure to a situation to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was a lot of my problem. Um, I was getting it way too close to the dog, not giving the dog its space. Um, really kind of, I mean, not being rough on the dog, but as far as verbal corrections, at, you know, when I was trying to give my corrections, uh, maybe I was being a little, you know, my tone wasn't correct or whatever it may be, um, which was causing that dog to flag or, or you know, something else. Um, and so that was, that was a big adjustment because I was correcting the dog as if it was a retriever. Yeah. Was not was not the way to go about it. Um, so I just, I was just thinking a dog is a dog, and and transit that transition was tough. Um, took me took me a little while to figure that one out. So so how many dogs did or we're talking about your first dog still, but you know fa- to right, fast sure. forward, you know you're now a pro trainer. So I'm I'm curious about how long did it get you to become comfortable and confident in working with pointers as as you were on the confidence level of working with the retrievers? Gotcha. Um, let's see. About four years. Okay. Right at four years. Um, and that was and that was primarily like at that time. Because before I went as a pro trainer, um, I had I had a job at, at the YMCA of Rowan County. I was a director there, and and with the with that job, I also had freedom to an extent, and I was able to take on one to two dogs a month. Was and and most of the time that was retrievers, and um, and when I switched to the to the upland game, that's when I started getting upland dogs in and doing work with upland dogs. You know, one one to two at a time. Um, so for that four years was pretty much one to two, whether it be, whether it be, um, 
I had beastlas and short hairs, and that's primarily what's in our area, and some setters. But but for the most part, it was it was short hairs. It's, I find it fascinating because you know you when you talk to people that come from the retriever world that you know you either hear one or uh, of two things naturally it, it's either there's really no difference dog training is dog training and then others mm-hmm. come out and they kind of speak to to pretty much exactly what you're saying to whereas it's a whole new ball game and learning how to finesse different things you know it's like yeah sure. you, while you're teaching retrieving to ret- retrievers and we're doing that to to these pointing dogs or versatile dogs and also you know steadiness maybe not in terms of steadiness in the field with the retrievers but you still do steadiness it, mm-hmm. i just find it interesting and intriguing on my end to to hear people's perspective of what it's like to really jump back and forth from both sides of the game there Right. And I'll tell you the hardest thing right now, and, and this is this is pretty funny, is whenever I'm when I, in each day, like right now, I have um, seven pointing dogs and and four retrievers. And in um, transitioning back and forth is telling my pointers to sit and telling my retrievers, whoa, <laughs> 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 it, it's, it's almost a daily battle. But, um, yeah, you're working from the opposite side of the brain there. Right, <laughs> right, yep. Yes, sir. Um, but, but no, on that, on that last question, it, it really, for me, I mean, it is a dog is a dog, right? But at the same time, you still have to, you still have to, it's, it's all different, really. Yeah. Um, so I, I, out of curiosity, I actually get asked sure. this quite a bit from listeners. You know, everybody that gets into this into this world, they get hooked. But somehow, some way, they get hooked for for different reasons, and it becomes their new passion. And right. and you know, it may be surprising to some and not so surprising to others. But a lot of these listeners, they're curious of how to take that next level how do i become a trainer you know what with you kind of recently doing that yourself after years and over you know almost two decades it sounds like of training before you took the plunge and put your shingle out what what was it like what was the biggest difference from changing from you just training maybe you and and maybe some of your friends dogs to now you you're doing it for other people like you're you're running a business kind of talk to me about that while you're making the transition into the upland dogs you're also making the transition into you know training dogs for other people what's that like it's it was a whirlwind for sure um and honestly if it wasn't for covid i'd never be in this seat because i was scared to take that plunge um and honestly, I didn't think we had the clientele in the area to pull it off, but it was just a lot of thought went into it. Um, and then the whole COVID thing happened and my wife and I talked about it. We prayed about it. And she said, if you're going to take the plunge, you're not getting any younger. So, <laughs> um, so I was like, thanks, oh, sweetheart. Man, do I do it? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, but you know, after looking back at it, I would, I wouldn't change a thing. Right. Um, and I have some great clients, great dogs I'm working with right now. A lot of dogs that are doing doing the hunt test game. Um, so that's you know that's where I want to be right now. And, and I and and luckily I run a pretty small operation. I'm I'm ten to twelve dogs a month. Nothing nothing too crazy. Um, and that's about where I want to be for a while because I don't want to be over overwhelmed. And that was my biggest fear was. Okay, do you get so big you get overwhelmed, or do you just kind of stay low key? Yeah, and I'm totally cool with staying low key for sure. Because uh, at the end of the day, I have a daughter, a uh, two year old son, and then I have another one on the way. So uh-huh. I'm still a family man. Heck you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah! Well, congratulations on that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. it, it, but that t- makes total sense. You don't, you don't want to grow too fast. You don't want to, uh, sure. overextend yourself because, you know, not only does that fry you and burn you out, but you're, the dogs are also going to get less attention and time that, that they would probably need. Right. So, Absolutely. so while you're doing this, you know, we kind of came into connection. You reached out to me because you you developed your own little training tool, which we're going to get to in a second, right? You you developed it on your own side. So, wh- on that note, what 
what came about when you're training these dogs and these pointing dogs specifically that made you realize that you just didn't have the right equipment or at least good enough equipment in your eyes and it was making your your life you know more difficult than what it had to be you know it talk to us about where this idea started and how it developed and break us break it down for the listeners of of the product that you actually kind of designed and started making sure um well with going back to my to my female um my first short hair um I, I'm the type of guy, if I go into something, I'm all about it. I mean, I'm going to go feet first and, and dive into it. So with that dog, um, because I've, I've had, I've had years of, of working with retrievers and doing that whole gig and hunt test. And, and I like the hunt test game of it. Um, I wanted to do the hunt test with Upland as well with my, with my short hair. And, and of course, you know, the junior tests are, are fine. You don't have to honor, you don't have to back, you don't have to do anything like that. But whenever it comes to the senior or yeah, the senior and master level of the hunt test, the dog has to honor. And I was hitting, hitting a wall there. You know, I had, I had the old school cutouts of, um, of the German short hair and I had the white. Now, when you say, white, cu- when you say cutouts, you mean like you, you're backing and honoring dummies, you're backing and honoring right, cutouts. Right. Right, a piece of plywood. It's pretty a piece of plywood cut out like a dog, um, and those work, right? I mean, they've they've worked for years, but but my dogs, my female in particular, you know, you could tell the first few times she was like, "Yeah, cool, I might I might honor you," but it got to a point where she was like, "Eh, nah, you're not real." <laughs> yeah, um, and and I started noticing a trend with that with the other dogs I was training. Um, and it just became more and more and more of a problem. And I would have to switch it up and go from like a pointing back or like a pointer, English pointer with more of the white and that kind of thing um, to get a different reaction from the dog. And, and it just got to the point where I was, I was like, man, why don't I just do something myself and do something different? Cause I looked and tried to see if anybody had anything that was more realistic. And, and whenever I was going to these hunt tests, the main thing that would kill me in the hunt test. And the reason why I would fail is because for for my dogs and especially this area we don't have many britneys and whenever i was braced with a britney my dog would not back them at all i mean they would run slap over them so just um, britneys just the short tail they wouldn't do that with with short hairs yeah. or any of the other breeds that had no nope. tails docked it was just britneys correct and that and gordon setters now we'll say gordon setters was another one um but those were dogs that we rarely ever saw or came in contact with over and above at a hunt test and um and just dealing with this because hunt tests are expensive right right (laughs) whether it's your dog or a client's dog and um and i didn't want to fail because of that and in you know in my case i didn't at that time i didn't have a broke dog that i can go put on point and work another dog into it so i was like man I've, i've got to find another avenue and I kind of idled on that for, well, I guess two and a half years. And it finally got to the point where I was having to call people and I was like, Hey man, you might bring your dog down to, so I could do a back in scenario with this dog and this dog. And, and I was like, how can I do this by myself and, and make it more realistic and make it better for the dog? Yeah. And so, so yeah, I was, I decided to come out with my own backing dummy. It's, it wasn't something that I was like, man, I don't want to sell a ton of these and, and really, I was just doing it for myself. Truth be told, I just yeah. went up to to a buddy of mine's place right up the road, and I was like, "Hey, can you do this? Is this possible?" And he's like, "Yeah." And um, and some some of the people that I trained with out of South Carolina, they saw it and they got word of it. And I was like, "Hey, man, you need to make some more of these." I <laughs> um, so it kind of caught on like wildfire, and um, and yeah, man, I'm you know we're making some now, but I mean, still it's still in the new stages, I guess. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you, it's, it's, you're, it's a you're, great tool. It's brand new. You're you're barely just fooling around with this. And like you said, you right. you made this to help train your dogs and your clients' right. dogs, right? You know, you didn't create right. this to you know thinking that you you're solving you know world hunger with this this item. <laughs> but I, before we we jump in and talk about the the features and how what this what this backing dummy really is, 
talk to me a little bit more about what was lacking on the stuff that was already out on the market. What was wrong with the plywood cutout? You know, people have been, trainers have been using that for decades. And so I'm kind of curious as to, to what you really thought was the shortcoming and, and the disconnect over the plywood cutouts. Right. Um, the biggest thing was that it was just that, like if you, if you bought one and there's nothing wrong with them, I still have them. Um, like if you go to um, oh, Lion Country, right? They have several different kinds, which is totally fine. Um, and I have them myself. But you pretty much the only option that you have is a pointer, right? Or a big white dog with a long tail. Yeah. Um, and and honestly, chances of me seeing that in the hunt test are very slim. Um, and then, or if you made your own, most people if they made their own, they made a short hair because it's easy, <laughs> easy, easiest to paint. Yeah. You know? um, or, or they made another pointer. So the biggest thing that was lacking was, was breed specific, you know, the Brittany, the, the Vesla, the Weimaraner. Um, and those were things that we come in contact with all the time in hunt, in the hunt test world. And then not only that, you know, if people are hunting with other breeds, you know, if I come, come and hunt with another another friend up north or whatever it may they may have a totally different breed i expect my dog to back that dog regardless of what breed it is right um and so this is a great tool to get that accomplished without having to try to search and find it or you know try to mimic and paint a realistic dog because at the end of the day i mean you can only paint so much to make it look realistic <laughs> yeah right. and, mo and most plywood cutouts it's you know not not to knock everybody's plywood cutouts you know it's they've been around for decades uh sure. but but they're primarily painted white and have a few you know liver spots on it usually correct uh correct. so you know that's what piqued my interest when you reached out to me and and you know you said that you developed your own backing dummy and to be perfectly honest at first i'm like okay yeah you know you cut it out of a piece of plywood like everybody else what's the big deal <laughs> then you sent me a picture of it and i'm like oh holy crap okay so go ahead and get into the project or the product that, that you kind of developed and walk us through the best way you can audibly just to describe what it really is because i, I don't think there's really a way to where we can really justify how lifelike and real this looks uh over a podcast format but go ahead and give it a shot and talk to everybody about the actual product that you you came to create. Gotcha. Um, what it is, is a photorealistic image of a dog in its, in its actual size and like length and height at the shoulders. Um, and luckily, I mean, being, being a trainer, I have access to, to multiple breeds. Um, and then, you know, those owners allowed me to do that, but also had friends that, that were also, either pro trainers themselves or hunt test people that also sent me pictures of their dogs. And so I use their dogs for these images. Um, so right now what we have is we have a Brittany, we have two short hairs, which are my personal two. I have a liver, liver on and a liver white. So you, there's two different, two different styles there. We have a Vesla and a Weimaraner, but probably man, the, the one I use the most and because it's so compact and it's the hardest thing to back, in my opinion, for, in the dog world, is a Brittany. Um, and especially for my dogs, like, that was my big struggle, was the Brittany. Um, and all of the, like I said, they're, they're, um, it just, it is an image of that dog. And it doesn't, and especially you get back 20 feet from it, you look like you can walk up and pet the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, it's pretty crazy. So you sent me uh, uh, an example. You sent you sent me a prototype and, and w one of the Britneys, right? And so when I pulled it out of the box, you know, even the pictures that you sent me didn't do it justice because, you know, you sent me pictures. I'm like, yes, that's a, it's a, essentially a giant printed out picture of your dog and cut out in the form of them on point so that you know and it's rigid so you can go set it out in the field but when i pulled it out i mean to your point it 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 was the exact same dimensions as a britney it looked exactly like britney and i mean it, it i actually played a few tricks on some buddies to where they thought that i had a britney at the house with it uh <laughs> but awesome. you know you mentioned that the breeds you said that you had your britney two different uh colorations of the gsp vishal and weimaraner 
but it's important to note that you can create this on a custom order for any dog. Sure, absolutely. And just like the 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 guy who owns the Brittany, I was sending him pictures of his Brittany backing herself, and that was <laughs> that, yeah, that was totally cool because it blew his mind. He was like, "What are you talking about?" And the dog's name is Charlie, and, and, uh, and I said, and "I said, hey man, Charlie's backing Charlie." He's like, "What?" And then he finally realized. He's like, "Hey, how'd you do that?" Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty neat. But so, yeah, we could do custom orders, um, and you know, of course. The biggest thing with the custom orders, it has to be a high quality image. Can't be a phone, can't be a cell phone pick. It's got to be one with done with a really nice DSLR or something where whenever we blow that picture up, it's not going to be pixelated and stuff like that. So you need to find if, if you're interested in, you know, ordering one of these or you need one of these and, and you're interested, say, you know, say you have a Drot or a Spinoni or, or any sure. of the breeds that you didn't list off already then you can send in a picture of your own dog or um, one of that breed as long as it's a high-resolution, clear picture, and you can create their own custom backing dummy of any specific breed. So anybody out there having an issue backing a certain breed, you can get this to where you can train this in your own backyard uh, with a very realistic-looking uh, proportion-sized backing dummy. Correct. Yep. So what's it made out of? You know, it's like when I pulled it out, the best way I could describe it was it was almost like plexiglass-ish. You know, it's, not, it's I don't think right. that's really what it is, but it is mm -hmm. rigid because that was one thing when talking to you about. I'm like, okay, but how does it hold up? You know, right. it, how durable is it? But to be perfectly honest, when I pulled it out, I'm like, man, all right. So the, it actually exceeded my expectations on not only how it looked, but also the the rigidness of it. I, I was expecting some little, you know, thin, floppy, little, you know, bendable thing, and it, that's not what it was. Right, correct. It's made out of what what I was told, this is what it's called, is a, ACM. It's um, aluminum composite material. Um, and basically what it is is just a composite material with aluminum on each side. So the cool thing about this, too, and, and I wanted it, you got to think, man, I, I have – five of these in my dog trailer at all times. So I wanted something to where I could throw them in, throw them out and not have to worry about them bending, breaking, whatever. And that was kind of a big thing for me, especially if I was going to put the money in designing this and doing it. Um, and so with this material, like I don't, I don't recommend it, but, but like if you get to say the, the Vesla, for instance, it, it's the Vesla's tails quite a bit bigger um, or quite a bit longer. It's maybe 10 inches, but you can actually take that tail and bend it, I mean, bend it at 90 degrees and then bend it right back and it goes back to form. It's not something that's just going to snap on you. And so it's um, as far as from that standpoint, it's it's very durable to where it can bend and, and do things and you can bend it back. Um, I would not recommend bending it like like sandwich it because that's no, that's no bueno. Um, we actually tried that whenever I was going to ship you one and it didn't work out too well. Um, yeah, but um but yeah, as far as just move is, is like if you have a corner or something being no big deal, just take it and bend it back. Not a big deal. But for the most part, it is um, you're not going to have to worry about it bending or anything like that. Because, I mean, you have to physically take and bend it to make it bend. Um, but it's way more heavy, like as far as the, the material. I mean, most people are familiar with like the cytoplast, the polit you know, the politic um political signs on the side of the road, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not that, um, but we have looked at doing some like that, but they're just so lightweight and, and ah, no, I, I just, just don't see I, that, I that holding no, up. I can't, I can't either. Especially having to pull it in and out of your truck, you know, nonstop, right. go set it out in the field with sun and rain and, and, and dew and all that. I, I don't see a coroplast, uh, no. thing working. I mean, what you sent to me, I, I can see that, that standing the time, you know, I'm interested, you know, how old is the oldest, version that you have i'm curious to see like the color or or the durability wow. how long does the picture really last looking as well as it does fresh out of the box right well the the ones that i sent you pictures of especially well all of them i sent you pictures of but but um all of those are about three months okay and that's riding in the trailer getting them in and out you know four days a week 
Um, and and you, as far as the image, of course, I mean, years of wear and tear. And as long as you're careful with them and, and keep them to where they're not r- constantly rubbing against something, I mean, you're going to have many years of use with it. Yeah. It's not something, it's not something that's, that's going to let you down on that standpoint. Um, but you know, if you throw it, in, you throw it in the bed of your truck and you ride, you know, you ride around for three months, of course, yeah, something's going to happen yeah. to it. Um, but just overall day to day use. And, and if you consciously take care of it, I mean, it's going to last you probably longer than a dog, honestly. For sure. So, have you tested it out? You know, a lot of people try to use their their backing dummies, their plywood cutouts, uh, whatever they have. They have those little uh, pop up machines, right? Absolutely. Ha- have have you tried these on that, and how well do they hold up in that? Um, right now, all, all all of my cutouts, all all of the dogs that we have, will go on the Lion Country backing dummy system. Um, and I made it to where it would go on those. That was a big thing for me too. I didn't necessarily want to just have one that I just stuck up and that was the only way I was going to be able to use it. Um, the main one that I use on that is the Brittany because it's more so the size of the existing dog that's on that whenever you get it from Lime Country. So, yeah, I mean, so it does work with the pop-up machine, which is obviously that that's a big deal because I know a lot of people that actually use them, but you don't even need the, that pop-up machine. You know, if you don't have that and you're just sitting here like, oh, I need to train my dog to back or, or I need to get some reps in and I don't have another dog. I literally tested this out just yesterday. I, I sent you the videos, Joe. Of, right. I yeah. just went out into my backfield and I just propped it up with, with, a, with a wooden stick. That's it. Like, you know, I know that you, you're going to talk about how you set it up and really the best practice in terms of that. But, um, I literally just went out there and just put a kickstand on it and it, and it worked amazing. You know, it it stood there enough time for me to go get my dog, bring her around, uh, worked fantastic for Lucy. Uh, not so much on Rachel, you know, I got the videos, I'll share it with whoever, uh, Rachel failed the test on that one. But you could tell what's Rachel's kind of been a, a, an ownery backer anyway. You know, she's that type to where she has to kind of learn to respect the individual dog anyway. Uh, she sure. slowed up. She still acknowledged it as a real dog. She went up and sniffed it as if it was a real dog. Um, Lucy, my Muncie, she just froze in place. So I think it's important to note that not you don't have to have a pop-up machine you don't have to have additional gear on this and you know talk to us real quick about the best way that you advise to set this up to uh to really make the training even more effective right well 80 percent of the time i don't use the pop-up machine um mainly whenever i use the pop-up machine i'm working i'm working with young dogs um but but my day-to-day Typically what I do is, and, and I looked at different stake materials as far as how, we, how are we going to fasten this thing to the ground. And every direction I went, the stakes were 20, 30 bucks in addition to what I'm, what was already being spent on, on the production of these anyway. And I was like, man, I can't do it. I just can't see doing it. So I was, I was walking through tractor supply and it made me think of a, um, and what it is, is a four foot black, um, I like to use black, but they do have white as well, but I like to use the black, but it's a, but it's a, um, electric fence post is what it is. Yep. And they're two bucks, two bucks from tractor supply. So that's way easier and anybody can get them anywhere. Right. Yeah. So I was yeah. thinking, you know, as far as, as far as somebody that needs one, and I ship them one. It's easier to just say, go to tractor supply and get a two, $2 steak from tractor yeah. supply. And what's cool is on that, on that steak, it has like, a. At the very end of it, it has two high points, which the electric fence goes in and then the, the stop at the end for, for putting it in the ground. So you can wedge the decoy right there, right there in between those two areas, and it stays there. I mean, I've had it out in 10, 15 mile an hour wind, and it stays strong. Hmm. Um, that's the easiest route, and that's how I use it. Yep. And the stakes you're talking about, I mean, they're also at Home Depot and Lowe's. They're sure. they're just basic yeah. landscaping fence stakes for welded wire, electric fence, like you said. Uh, a right. lot of chapters use them for, uh, NAVDA chapters use them for their healing stakes at the water. Sure. And so for, mm-hmm. for just a couple bucks, you have your stake, you know, whereas I used... Uh, 
the just a wooden stick yesterday you have that stake but like you said you have those those little grommets on it right that that'll kind of hold it if you have a real windy day but it doesn't take much i think i think that was probably besides the realism and the size of it that i really appreciated and you know to be perfectly honest on this podcast i don't think we've ever done a podcast specifically around uh, an individual training object or 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 product but this right. one, it really stood out to me just for how lightweight it was, how compact it was, and how easy it was just you're out there. And I swear, it's just, I mean, it's quicker than planting a bird. I mean, it's just boom, sure. you're, you're back grabbing your dog. And so you can you can get a lot of reps with this in a training session if you need to. You know, it's that Absolutely. quick to, to set up and break down. You're not dealing with a whole bunch of stakes or machines or anything like that. It's, it's literally however easy you want to make this. Correct. Yep. So, um, so talk to us about the glare on it because it is kind of a printed picture on, you know, you called it the, uh, the aluminum composite material, but it, like I said, it, it kind of resembles like plexiglass almost. So there is a bit of a glare on that. Uh, what do you advise in place of that? Because we're get, we're after realism, right? And you know, you don't right. really go out in the field. And while some people have some really white dogs, generally they don't have shiny white dogs, right? Correct. Yep. Yes, sir. Um, keep in mind, it is a flat object, right? So any is any flat object is going to going to develop glare. So the best way to do it, and whenever I use it, I put it in direct sunlight because I want those colors to pop. I want the dog to see it and be like, wow, okay, they're, you know, that is a real dog. Um, so what I do and what seems to work the best, don't put it at 90, put it, lean it just a little bit forward. And, and then like, and, and it, whenever you, you know, like if you have yours, you know, go out tomorrow, for instance, but just have somebody sit there and hold it and move it back and forth and get light to that instead of 90 degrees move it to 85. You'll, you'll notice a huge difference where that glare just goes away altogether. And from a dog's angle, if you get down and look from their, from their point of view, all that disappears. So that's the best way to do it is just, just lean it slight forward. So, yeah, so instead of standing it just straight up out of the ground, Correct. you just tilt it forward just a little bit, and Correct. that takes the glare out of it. Correct. Okay. So what what else are what are some of the other tips to go setting this up because you know obviously we're talking about what, what you developed and and people that are interested go to social media go to Patreon you know anything like that we're gonna have pictures up of it um, what other tips and tricks do you have to set this up because anybody can use any cutout or dummy uh, in the regards of actual training backing and honoring. The trick is with this, you're you're just after for a more realistic dog. That that's really all it is. So, what other tips and tricks do you have with your specific setup? Um, the biggest thing for me, I like. I mean, and and about all trainers will tell you this for the most part. Like whenever, especially working with young dogs, you want this. You want this backing dummy as any backing dummy to surprise the dog whenever they see it. Um, so whether you put it behind a object, behind cover have the dog come around the cover and see it and, and then, you know, get that reaction of, whoa, um, there's a dog in front of me. So um, that's one thing that we try to do or put it right on the other side of a hill. So whenever they crest that hill, they look down and they see it. Um, that's one thing that I do a lot on that standpoint. Um, and the biggest thing is just, man, setting your dog up for success. I mean, at the end of the day, we're trying to get make this dog better, any dog that we're training. So, so set the set it up to where to where that dog could be successful every time. Um, and 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 as far as like you can use it in shade or or use it on the backside, but it does it does dull the finish. So that's why I was saying put it, you know, put the image toward sunlight. Yeah. Um, that's and even if it's a cloudy day, still face it towards where the sun is because you still get that light quality. And so for the the, peop, the listeners that, that are listening to this and they're like, okay, this sounds like a great product. I need this. Like, you know, I need to train my dog on backing and honoring. Obviously, we, we, we've mainly talked about your experience as a trainer and where, where the 
the motivation came to actually create your own product. So we, we haven't talked about the actual training. We have covered this in the past. Go back to episode 91. Daryl Pernat covered it in extreme detail on training. And just when he's talking about the 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 backing dummies and stuff like that, the the cutouts, you're just replacing this with that. So if you if you if you're looking for more how to on how to actually effectively train backing and honoring, uh, to, you know, go back and check that episode out because we covered it from start to finish on how to train backing and honoring. But I'm telling you that this this product, you know, you're not a sponsor of this. We're not going to we're not even talking about a sponsorship, right? This is just a very cool product developed by a fellow listener and a fellow DIY trainer. Well, not anymore. You're a pro trainer now, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, you, you saw something lacking in your setup, something that wasn't really connecting the dots on your dog. And instead of, you know, constantly just griping and complaining and being like, oh, they don't create this or they don't make this the way they should, you went and made your own. You you, sure. you, yeah. you know, you figured out like, okay, there's something missing here that's causing my dogs and my client dogs to fall short on some hunting tests in certain situations. So you did what all people should do when they're training their dogs. If there's a disconnect somewhere, let's stop and think about it and figure out how do we overcome it. Absolutely. And I will say this year, since I've started using these, I've done a lot better this year in hunt tests. So you've, you've I seen a, nearly as much money. <laughs> so, so you've seen a direct correlation to when you Absolutely. started using these dummies and your dogs performing better on hunt tests. Absolutely. So what about your client dogs? Have you gotten feedback from the client? Say you get a dog in, train it for a test, you send it back home. Have you, have you gotten feedback from any, uh, any client dogs that maybe had an issue backing those dogs that you put it in some with some reps on on these uh, on your your dummies that the the owners were just like wow night night and day right yes um, and just like Charlie for instance that was one one of the reason one another one of the reasons why I pushed to go in this direction I was having issues with her backing um, and Charlie was Charlie is the is the Brittany that that is on the one I sent you okay. Um, and and she's back home and she's going to start running some natural stuff here in the next few weeks and she's crushing it man she's doing phenomenal so yeah man it's it's um it's definitely a correlation between the two that's awesome so have you in your your trainer brain have you figured out any other useful uh things that you can use this for in addition to just backing and honoring i haven't honestly <laughs> really not so, at the moment um so i, I didn't know had... i didn't know if there was a another use in terms of training i, I can definitely see some people you know that <laughs> we're all dog people we're all a little nuts right, right? Sure. so I, yeah. I can definitely see some people saying oh man i kind of want a print out of that just for just yeah. for memory of having my own dog yeah, that's, right? what I was gonna, that's what i was gonna say I've, I've had multiple people call me and say hey man i just want one to put in living room <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. i yeah, knew it you I've didn't even have to yeah. yeah we hadn't talked about that i knew it without you even having to tell me yeah. i knew that somebody was going to go for it but you know so tell us what what price range are, are we looking at this because i know there's some listeners out there that are probably assuming that they can't afford it or something or they're like oh well i'm just go get a sheet of plywood well you know i don't know when the last time was that you checked some lumber prices but they're not exactly the most affordable right now either so what no, what no. kind of price range are we talking about for for these cutouts gotcha yeah the Brittany we're looking at 75 and and for the all of the other breeds the visa the gsps the wine riders we're looking at 100 um okay. we can we can do them double-sided but honestly i mean it's going to cost more of course but have I've only ever used one side, so I don't necessarily see the need to do a double-sided one. So I um, will I will actually push back a little bit on that. Uh, okay. Just from my one day of using it, uh, just setting it up with, with the cover and everything, uh, I've realized, you know, yes, you, you do have an additional pricing written down here. I see that, but it's not that much. I can see wanting to spend $20, $25 more and you have both sides. And then that way, if your property lays out a certain way or specific way, you have the versatility of being able to turn that dog's point, 
uh, to best fit your need, right? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I realized um, that just yesterday, just doing the quick dry run that I did with my dogs is, you know, instead of doing it on a specific side of the field that I wanted to do, I needed to go on the other side and set it up just because of, it was a uh, one printed side. But it, you know, it's like for 20 bucks more, I can definitely see that being worth getting both sides in my opinion. Right. Sure. But it's not a necessity, though. Mm-mm. I mean, really, it's not. No, it's, it's not. Somebody, somebody's, you know. Well, we're talking about a, just additional walking, right? right <laughs> it's sure, like sure, just walk yeah. further, circle back around, and you got it. Right. But if if you say that you know you're at a chapter training day, or you have multiple dogs mm-hmm. to get through it, or or whatever, um, you know, it, it's just the versatility of of having that option if you need it. I I can see that being worth the additional charge in my in my opinion. Sure. Yep. And we can definitely do that. Yep. Not a problem. So what are, what are we missing? How do people go about looking at this? How do they find you? How do they place orders? You know, what, what are we talking about is lead time? Uh, you know, everything is scarce right now in terms of material. Sure. Are you facing that issue as well as everybody else in the, in the world right now? Knock on wood. This material is not. <laughs> We're pretty good on this right now because um, I did ask that question. I was like, hey, man, if I get in a situation where I have somebody wanting, you know, multiple runs, is it is it possible that I can still pull this off? He said, oh, yeah, we're not running out of this anytime soon. So, <laughs> nice. so yeah, we're good. It's not like trying to find glass or anything else. So, so we're good. As far as the shipping, we're looking at around 20 bucks for the Brittany. That's about where we're at. And then 40 to 50 for the other ones because because they're so large, they are hitting me with oversized shipping on the, on those boxes. So there's a big enough size difference from your Brittany and Vishla that <laughs> the shipping is, is that much more. Yes. Wow. Yes. No, yeah. I mean, they're real size. Right? Yeah. So, and, and most of these are, I mean, they're stylish points, so they're stretched out quite a bit too. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, and it's, and it's crazy to think 10 inches would cost that much, but, 10 inch differences yeah. in the shipping world is pretty big. Oh yeah. Now you got to account for every square footage on the truck, right? So, mm-hmm. so where, if somebody wants to reach out to you and find out, okay, what dogs you have available, maybe that maybe they don't care about the breed or maybe they want to talk to you about, you know, getting a custom order and they want to send in some pictures and say, will this work? Will that work? Whatever. Where do they find you? Where do they send in these requests and these orders? Gotcha. Um, you can email me, probably be the best route, or you can um, or email me at riveronkennels at gmail.com or um, any of my social media pages, and that's Facebook and Instagram, and that's at riveronkennels, um, and then on my website at riveronkennels.com. And, all of them, and if you need to call me, um, I don't know if we're sharing uh, phone numbers on here, but but um, you can go to any of those sites, and all my phone numbers are on there. You can feel free to reach out, and I'd I'd love to talk to anyone. That's kind of I'd much rather talk to somebody over and above typing any day. <laughs> Perfect. So, and and just for everybody out there listening, uh, you know, I got to experience the the Brittany cutout like we've already talked about. Uh, I'm not keeping that. Where, you know, um, Joe offered that up for me to test out, for me to put my hands on before we even, I don't even think we talked about the possibility of doing an episode before that. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and offer that up to our Patreon patrons as a giveaway. You know, as much as this is something that I I would use my own self, and I'm probably just going to go ahead and order another one. Uh, But I'm going to offer this up because Joe kindly sent this to me so that I could actually have put my hands on it before we talked about it. Uh, It is the real deal. You know, it's, if you're looking at this, like, do I really need this? If you're talking about backing and honoring and you're talking about, you know, going through the effort of doing a plywood cutout and painting and all that, this just knocks it out right there for you. And it's, it's much lighter weight. It's going to, it's going to stand up better in the rain and the sun and stuff like that. So I highly advise if this is something, you know, one thing that I've noticed over the years going to NAVDA training days or something with, with, backing and honoring only showing up in the versatile or the invitational test you you get a lot of people that don't really mess with backing and honoring training until they qualify for that test right so it's just like then they're combating two or three years and they're trying to play catch up 
whereas, you know, Daryl in the, the episode 91 that we re- re- referenced uh, a little while ago, he talked about start early, start quick. But you know what? If you're in a position to where you didn't do that and you need a backing dummy, you need something to where you can get reps in without having another dog in person, this is a very realistic and convenient option, in my opinion. And, you know, again, I hope everybody listening to this realizes we've never done a full episode on any specific product or item. So, uh, you know, I hope that they take the time and check this out because it, it's from an actual trainer and, uh, you know, he's a pro trainer now, but he was a DIY trainer. So it's t- take that for what it's worth and it, it will help you if you have some backing and honoring work that you have to work on. So, Joe, what else are we missing? I know we've kind of covered a lot of ground, but what are we missing in terms of this? Or have we just kind of beat the dead horse? Have we covered everything? I think you about covered it, pal. Well, man, I, I really appreciate it. I think you, that you did create a really good uh, improvement. You know, you, <laughs> you created a better hamster wheel, right? I think everybody's familiar with that saying. And uh, so, you know, I appreciate you offering the opportunity for me to test out your, your product and get it out there, you know, and I appreciate also the fact that Absolutely. we've been talking about doing this uh, for, for a few days now and, and you're not really necessarily worried about making it rich or retiring or anything. You're just, you created a product that had a special place and special need for you and you're offering it up to everybody else. And it, that that's really all it's about is you're just trying to help other people with what you created. Right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want our dogs to succeed. Whether you're a pro trainer, amateur, DIY guy, at the end of the day, we want our dogs to succeed. So if this is another tool that can help. Perfect. I don't have anything else to add. So, Joe, thanks for uh, making this available to us. Thanks for coming on, sharing your story and and knowledge on this. And uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing what you do with this, because I I really think that this is a this is definitely a better hamster wheel. Yes, sir. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate your time, buddy. All right, now picture this. You just finished a long day's hunt or a long day in the training field grooming your next versatile champion. You've run through your entire string of dogs in anticipation for the next fall. You think the day's over. It's not, though. Your day's not over until you let that ugly dog hunt. No hunting or training session is complete without capping it off with one of the spirits from Ugly Dog Distillery. They're Michigan raised and purebred handcrafted spirits. They have everything you need from vodka and gin to your more traditional after-hunt choice Kentucky bourbon. We aren't much on the flavored whiskeys here, but we will go on and tell you that you're missing out if you don't try their peanut butter whiskey. Unlike the other peanut butter whiskeys out there, Ugly Dogs is made with real Kentucky bourbon and not just pure grain alcohol and syrup. So after your next hunt, or a long day of testing and you're trying to decide what to drink, reach for the bottle with Ruger, the German wire hair pointer on it. It was handcrafted by people just like us, dog people. Every adventure starts somewhere. Make sure yours includes an ugly dog at your side. Explore responsibly. All right, Harold, you've seen this uh, backing dummy in person. What did you think about it when you first saw it? Well, I'm I'm one of the people who got duped when I (laughs) came to the house. I was like... Yep, I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> he walked in with like, why do you have a Brittany out there? <laughs> I finally realized. I mean, I saw it stand there. I was like, that dog's really standing still. Okay. And then I kind of <laughs> put it together. I remembered you got it and everything, but they look yep. good. They, yeah, uh, you- I'm, I'm excited to maybe try it out on my pup this year, but we'll see. I was just about to say, yeah, that's one thing that I know you've said that you want to start working on or, or paying attention to this year. So would you think something like this would help you out if you're just, you know, if you if you can't get down here and run with me and train with me down here or something, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're, you're by yourself, you don't have a second dog, you think that this would be something that, that could help you a lot? I think so. I think it'd yeah. help anybody. In my, yeah, especially there's a lot of that out there where you're like – at least when I started or still am starting, you don't always have a lot of help. So no, um, that's definitely a tool for the solo dog trainer right there. Yeah, man. It's like, everybody's been doing these backing dummies forever. Pretty much. You know, like I said, in the episode, you, you just cut out a thing of plywood, you can paint a dog, you know, put spots on it if you want. Uh, and it's been, it's been around for generations, right? You know, there's nothing wrong with it. People still train with those things 
to this day. There's other backing dummies on the market. This I thought was was worthy of coming on. You know, I don't think we've done a, a an item specific episode since we've started this, but you know, th- this came from just a listener, and he shot me a, a picture of it and said, "Look what I made," and I'm like, "Man, that's a you know w- way to reinvent the the hamster wheel there, right?" Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, yeah, making it better and making it more accessible, especially to like y'all said, the price of lumber, and then I'm I'm the kind of guy that doesn't really have a lot of those tools laying around where I'm going to go buy a piece of plywood and really want to mess with that anyway. I'd rather just pay that money and have, have it, it have it ready to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I'm, but yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he sent me some pictures. I'm like, that is a great idea, and he sent it to me, and it was just how easy it was and light it was to set up. But you know, it, it's just one of those things that. You said that you're about to be working backing. A couple of other buddies, I know Austin's talked about needing to work in backing, and so I just thought it was a a cool tool and highlight to put out there from a listener that just said, "Hey, I needed to, I needed a better hamster wheel," and he went out and made it. You know, he, he didn't just sit there and was kind of met by the limitations of the training gear that he had. I thought that was. Uh, we've all had to do that from time to time, so I thought it was something to highlight. You know, if you don't have what you need okay make make something work for you mm-hmm. and that's that's exactly what he's done and that's what we're all about here yep and and speaking of that uh you know i, I mentioned it in the episode if uh again if you if you want to um if you want to buy one of these or talk to him, you know, again, his name is Joe Finney. Go check him out. But if you need more information on how to actually train with it and more of the how-to of the backing and honoring that we didn't touch on that much this episode, uh, go back to episode 91 with Daryl Pernat. Uh, he breaks it down step-by-step step for you, and it gives you all the information you need and everything. But back to the, you know, the DIY discussion we've had, listeners – come up and offer a bunch of items over time which is very generous but it's really neat seeing what people can make kind of in the spirit of what joe finney did with this backing dummy i mentioned in the episode i'm gonna give the backing dummy away to one of our patreon patrons and then i have a few other items from from some listeners that make their own items you know from from uh, leashes to just different leather products and stuff like that we're going to start doing them a little small monthly giveaway to our patreon patrons and so you know the first month here in february is going to be joe finney's uh backing dummy that we just spent an entire episode on and so go sign up for that we're going to do a drawing with everybody in it and we're going to match the number of uh names in the hat per what you pay each month so if you do a ten dollar pledge you get ten names of that if you do you know five you get five and so on but we're going to do that just something something else to throw out there and thank the patrons for uh you know donating money to us to keep this going every week mm-hmm. right on and um i guess also we could uh speaking of giveaways we're going to talk about a little review of the week action here oh you got one yeah Got a new one here from Philip J. Neal. He says, So where was this six years ago when I first got my puppy? I've learned more in the last month since I found this podcast than I have in those six years. Keep up the great work. It's a heck of a review. Uh, well, what what'd you say the name was one more time? Philip J. Neal. Philip. Well, we definitely appreciate you taking the time and saying that. That's uh, That means a lot to us. Uh, if you're listening to this, be sure to reach out to us, social media, or uh, email gundogityourself at gmail.com. Give us your information. We'll shoot you a sticker. And we also have some, uh, some uh, extra hats laying around that we're going to start throwing in for the review of the week. If we call your name, hit us up, and we're going to start sending uh, a hat in there with the sticker for you as well. So uh, everybody, it really helps us out, lets us know what you think, gives us some support. Just take a little bit of time, leave some ratings and reviews, and uh, share everything with a friend. You know, it goes a long way, and we, we definitely appreciate it. The training camp. I was about to forget the training camp. Uh, we have the dates. We are locked in for May 6th, 7th, and 8th. It'll start uh, in the evening of the 6th, wrap up on the 8th. It's going to be at Mark and Martha Ann's of Webfoot Kennels in Clayton, New York. Uh, w- the trainers are all signed up. It, right now, it looks like we are going to have Scott Caldwell doing obedience. 
We're going to have Mark and Martha uh, knocking out force fetch, and we're going to have Kyle Huff on steadiness. And so I think this is a hell of a group of trainers kind of help guide you. And Harold, you weren't at the last training camp, so you didn't get to see it. It's a little bit different of a format. It's not like a lecture, a full day lecture or anything from one trainer. You're going to have hands-on experience in a smaller group with each individual trainer for a certain amount of time, right? So we're gonna take a certain amount of dogs uh, with handlers, probably about 20 or so, and then we'll have some standing room only available for everybody, but we're gonna limit it to where the people get hands-on experience with these trainers with their dogs and get immediate feedback. So it's kind of a, it's a cool setup and the trainers, man, it's, you can't, you can't beat any of these trainers on these topics. It's, it's going to go a long way. Uh, so more details to come on how to sign up officially, uh, the price and stuff like that. We're still trying to work out and everything, but that'll come out probably here in the next week or so. If you're interested now, you know, shoot us an email. I'll get you on the list. And then that way, as soon as the details come out, you can get that, the details before the next episode. Right. So, uh, Harold, I know that was a mouthful. Think I touched on everything for right now. I was gonna say, I know it's uh, you already touched on it, but and pl- we don't have the details yet. But definitely, if you're thinking about becoming a Patreon member, um, not only we got the monthly giveaways right now, but then I, I believe last year they kind of had a they had a first yeah. opportunity at the tickets and maybe even a. So the way it worked last year, and we're leaning towards it again this year is the Patreon, the first 10 patrons to sign up, got it at a lower price. And then after that, the next 10 slots with the dogs and everything, whether you're a patron or not, everybody paid the same thing. Uh, that's how we did it last year. And it'll make more sense when we have the actual prices to explain it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. Everybody that left last year, they are gung-ho about it. Uh, but we did it real down far in the southeast so now we're going to the northeast and hopefully more people uh can attend up in that region we actually had a number of people drive from that area last year so uh yeah we'll see where where we get people from but i'm i'm looking forward to it man it was it was a blast last year mm-hmm. yep hopefully i can make it uh depending on my work schedule but we'll see yep yep well we'll figure that out at a later date yeah. Harold, if there's nothing else, I think we touched on everything. Social media, hit that subscribe button, please. If you hadn't hit that subscribe button, that goes a long way. That is, that's number one before even the ratings and reviews, right? So, besides that, I'm done, uh, done doing the housekeeping and, and begging people to go look at stuff. So, <laughs> Harold, uh, we'll talk next week, man. Sounds good. See ya. Thanks for listening to GDIY. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again, and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just after replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.